Hello and welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, and culture. While drinking a few brews. Though we don't often use strong language, the jokes and the content is not intended for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Before we begin the episode, we have to give a huge shout out to the Dangits from Madison, Wisconsin for providing us with great bluegrass intro you hear at the beginning of every episode. The song Razzle was written by Jamie Lampkins, but is performed by on behalf of Tom Wasselchuk and the Dangits. If you have a chance, check these guys out at dang-its.com for upcoming shows, music, or on how to book them for weddings, parties, and etc. Thank you for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is episode 9 of Wisconsin Drunken History. I am Eric. And I am Russ. Today's main story is the world's largest music festival, Summerfest. Uh, We have another edition of How Many Loco You At, music from Wisconsin's own Telethon, and another great beer review. We are also featuring a brand new segment that we are calling This Day in Wisco History. So let's crack open an ice cold Baruski and let's jump right in. Hell yeah. All right. So our main segment today, our main story is the Summerfest. Obviously, it's the the, uh, world's, it's deemed the world's largest music festival that was uh, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, I believe, in uh, 2009. So, uh, we'll we'll go ahead and uh, give you kind of the the whole background story of this thing. So, since 1898, uh, when Wisconsin celebrated its 50th anniversary of statehood, uh, Milwaukee has played host to uh, a number of different summer festivals. Uh, from 1933 to 1941, uh, Milwaukee's lakefront was the site of Midsummer Festival, uh, which had parades, it had carnival rides, different contests, and regattas. Um, so a lot of things dealing with our, our lake uh, culture right there on the uh, lakefront. Uh, in the late 50s, uh, city officials began talks of some sort of a new summer celebration. Uh, but it wasn't until the early 60s uh, when plans really started to take off. Uh, Henry Meyer, uh, then mayor of Milwaukee, eagerly latched on to this idea and even went to Munich's Oktoberfest uh, to research <laughs> or just have a few brews. Honestly, though, like, I've always wanted to go to the Oktoberfest in Germany. I think that'd be like the thing to do That's in my life. That's the thing, right? I know, right. I mean, lacrosse, obviously, uh, um, it's, a, it's a close rival. <laughs> Nine bars around a block. Right, know? right. Not it's I mean it's not bad though, but so yeah, I mean he went to Munich's Oktoberfest and he, and he was getting ideas. So the Milwaukee World Festival committee members included uh the likes of Vince Lombardi, legend, the the Schlitz president Robert Uline, Pabst president James Windham, and Ben Marcus of Marcus Theaters. Uh, The committee originally proposed a 10-day festival in which events would span from polka to jazz music, folk traditions to film, sculpture and flower shows, uh, and even a series of lectures by noted intellectuals. 
So really running the entire gambit of things that you could possibly expect in almost like a world's fair. Yeah, and actually the Marcus family is really nice. I worked at Grand Geneva in which Lake Geneva, which is a Marcus hotel. Which is chain. a Marcus hotel, so I actually had a chance to meet them. I was a, a bus boy or a, a bellboy, and I parked their car, and they were like really great people. And yeah, yeah. So in uh, 1966, uh, the committee suggested the name Julispach, which means July fun in German. But the name didn't last long. Uh, the name was deemed to be a little too specific to a single uh, ethnic group. Uh, however, shortly after, the name Summerfest actually won out. Uh, and in November, the board settled on a nine-day slate of entertainment that would take place the following summer. The first Summerfest, as we know it now, opened on July 20th of 1968. And it was a huge success. Uh, there was polka music, uh, an international auto race, a soccer game, a women's conference. The National Ballet of Mexico performed. There was a two-night music under the stars concert. Uh, and there was an air show. Uh, events were held at 35 locations around the city. Uh, all over the, the Milwaukee area. So not only the lakefront as we kind of know it today, but the entire city was basically host to this summer festival. The The following summer was significantly larger. It had even bigger uh, turnout, uh, more events, more shows. Uh, they still had the air show at the General Mitchell uh, Airfield. They had uh, the polka music, which remained a huge spotlight. Um, the legendary comedian, Bob Hope, he even headlined an event. Oh yeah. Bob Hope. We all know. We all know. He did a lot of the stuff with the troops back then. Yeah. Yeah. Became really, really huge, uh, really famous. And then he also had a, uh, a show, uh, some sort of a, um, you know, a sitcom, I guess, if you will, uh, that was really popular. So, uh, in 1970, an abandoned strip of land near the lakefront became available and uh, it became the, the home of Summerfest uh, and would later eventually be named the Henry Meyer Festival Park. Uh, the Harbor Commission, which was the one who purchased the land from the Army, constructed a deal and began leasing the site to Summerfest for $1 a year. That's a pretty decent price. I'd, I'd decent? For that. Yeah. <laughs> I've rented apartments that are worse than that property oh, yeah, for Madison. way more. Madison, like the apartment I had was more than my farm mortgage, which has 10 acres. You got it. It's crazy. That's crazy. It is. That's what's nuts. So obviously they, they constructed this deal for a dollar a year. It was clearly intended to be uh, sort of a, a, a hand me out, you know, to this incredible festival that was going to bring hundreds of thousands of people. So uh, between the seventies and eighties, uh, vast improvements were made to the property. Uh, dirt walkways were paved uh, and plywood stages that were on cinder blocks uh, became more permanent structures with sponsors like Miller Brewing, Schlitz, and Pabst. Uh, in 1987, the Marcus Amphitheater, uh, which is a 23,000-seat arena, uh, officially opened and became the main headline stage uh, for the most popular acts that we were drawing in. Yeah, we've, I mean, I've been there. I know you've been there. I've seen Rush. I've seen Blink-182. I've yeah. seen like a variety of music there. Yeah, it, and it's insane the amount of 
variety that they get to headline that stage. I mean, in more recent years, you have your pop acts and your rap and hip hop acts, but you know, back in the in the seventies and eighties, really in the eighties when when that was built, it was really it played host to your your really large rock and country acts was like the main thing that was there. Uh, nobody else really got on that stage unless you were a really large music performer. None of the comedians or anything that were there uh, got a chance at that stage. It was really just the music. So during the 1990s and the 2000s, uh, stages saw new names after old style and Pabst breweries uh, became obsolete or closed. Uh, and uh, visitors saw new sponsors like Briggs and Stratton, Harley Davidson, and Johnson Controls, uh, which also helped uh, contribute to new construction and renovation uh, of state-of-the-art venues uh, to include video screens, uh, improved audio equipment. So these things were just really boosted to bring in this new clientele uh, and to, to feature this this much better equipment so these shows would sound so much better yeah and like these shows we've been to a lot of we've been to these pavilions they're still named this and uh really like yeah there's headliners but all these stages have a headliner technically and a lot of people don't realize that but each stage has a headliner it's not yeah so like each night the schedule will uh, feature a 10 o'clock uh headliner so your 10 o'clock show that runs from 10 until about midnight uh on the schedule uh, will always feature that's their headliner. And there's, I mean, acts like, th- um, who is it? Uh, Third Eye Blind, uh, OAR. Those guys always will do a Summerfest side stage headlining act, which is awesome. So uh, in 2012, a new 5,000 seat uh, covered stage was added. So designed with uh, the beautiful views of Lake Michigan and the Milwaukee City skyline right in the background, uh, the BMO Harris Pavilion became another elite stage to headline uh, these multiple premium acts that we get every year. Uh, like the Marcus Amphitheater, the BMO Harris Pavilion uh, even hosts concerts outside of Summerfest. So it's not just, you know, between those nine or 10 days that Summerfest takes up, it's generally this uh, uh, concert venue that we sort of take advantage of uh, all year round. Uh, Obviously it's outside. So we don't, you know, outside of like the warm months, you don't see it, but all the way up until like October, they can take advantage of this beautiful arena, this, this smaller seat venue that allows us to bring in even more acts. So, you know, you got your different venues around the city of Milwaukee, like the rave, the Eagle or the Eagles ballroom, uh, the uh, Pabst, uh, um, what is it? The Pabst uh, Blue Ribbon, um, uh, and then also like the uh, Pabst Theater. You got Turner Pabst Hall. Theater, Turner Hall. Yeah, yeah. All of those ones. Maybe if they're booked, you know, you have this additional place to hold hold these events, which is awesome. I mean, it just it brings in so much more money uh, and events for all of us to uh, to really take advantage of. So, um, in 2018, though. The American Family Insurance became uh, the naming rights sponsor for the amphitheater. So it's no longer Marcus. It now dons the name American Family Insurance Amphitheater, uh, which is uh, currently undergoing 
a two-phase renovation and expansion project that will add new seed, a whole new seating bowl, uh, expanded concourses, new video screens, and even more concession areas, which if you've been there, you know that the concourses are quite tight. There's not really a whole lot of uh, area for the uh, the concessions either. Like So if you're a, a lawn seat type of person, you have to haul all the way up to the back corner of, of each corner of the, of the whole seating area in the grass. And they have these little like beer pavilions set up. If you're down on the main seating level uh, in the covered areas, you have to walk all the way out to those concourse areas. And there's only about one or two different beer sections that sell. So you can be there for probably anywhere from, you know, a quick five minute run to 30 minutes waiting in line for, you know, brats, hot dogs, nachos, beers, sodas, water, anything. And it's, it takes quite a while. And you as a, as, as the, you know, the concert goer, you don't want to be away from the, the action that long. The, the bands don't stop for you to go. So, you know, you're sort of, you're sort of, you know, I, I guess at a downside when you're trying to go back and, you know, refill that whole time. Right, and uh, I know you're going to get into some notable acts, but what's, what's one that really sticks out to you? I knew for me it was like Death Cab, Bon Iver. Um, there's just been a lot of great bands I've seen there. Pat Benatar, I mean, like I like classic rock, so that was really great. What about for you? For Yeah, so I saw uh, John Mayer there. Um, I loved his show. This was like one of the – so this was his opening uh, concert for that uh, tour right here in Milwaukee. So first one back, and this was right after he had all the vocal surgery and he, he wasn't able to even talk. So he was, I know he was dating Carrie, uh, Katy Perry at the time. And, uh, so she, like he, he moved down to, uh, some rural property on a farm in Montana and he would like text her and do FaceTime and hold up signs and stuff in order to even communicate with her. But it, it really helped him to, improve you know his vocal quality because he had such a a bad issue with some uh, diseases uh, on his uh, vocal cords and so that was a really huge show and then all the blink 182 shows that took place oh, yeah. during Summerfest, all the way back to like 2001 their uh, take off your pants and jacket tour was huge for me in in july at Summerfest, and then all of the side stage shows of oar and third eye blind they play nearly every year and it's always that 10 o'clock to midnight show and you'd be waiting there uh at the at the seats at the stage all day just getting baked in the sun and holding your spot you'd run out for beers or run to the run to the bathroom or something but by that 10 o'clock spot you were just loving it i saw um, Alice Cooper there. Oh yeah. I I've saw, Oh yeah. And he, he was, was good. so good. He was so good. You thought you were in the seventies right. watching him Dude, the guillotine, his daughter yeah. coming on stage, just the, the anaconda or whatever freaking snake he had. Yeah. He's just a cool guy. Like, I have a couple of videos on my old YouTube, my personal YouTube of taking back Sunday on a side stage, uh, Paramore on a side stage. We had, uh, one of my favorites was, uh, my first show ever at the BMO Harris Pavilion was Jimmy Eat World. And oh, nice. we were within five five seats or five rows of the of the main stage. 
and just getting a chance to see those guys that close with the beautiful skyline and the lake right behind you, it was phenomenal. I absolutely loved it. Uh, but like I said, the notable Summerfest acts and performances over the years, um, it's really tough to beat George Carlin's uh, 1972 performance of Seven Words You Can Never Say on Television, uh, the one that got him arrested for violating uh, obscenity laws. Uh, the charges were later dropped, but um, the news had already helped make Summerfest at that time world news. Me and George Carlin, I love the guy. Honestly, like you, you can't find a real, like a realer comedian anymore because people just don't want to say that kind of stuff because they would get arrested or like put in the jail. Yeah. Um, he's just a great guy. I mean, my little guy, Eric, loves Sunny Time Station, which he's on, which yeah. is weird for him. Right. You know what I mean? Because you see his stand up and it's like a just bizarre to see him on a Thomas the Tank totally engine. Totally different show. world. Yeah, right. But I love the guy. Um, I mean, everything he says, like I have quotes that I like rec- like write down because I love the guy so much. George Carlin and me, if there was somebody I could bring back from the dead, George Carlin would be one of those guys for sure. Yeah, definitely a legendary comedian. And for us to basically be uh on the map summerfest wise in 72 because of this really rare thing that happened uh being arrested for obscenity laws and and we posted a picture of it uh, on uh, on our instagram and on facebook so uh check that out you've got milwaukee's finest hauling george carlin out for uh, uh violating uh, obscenity laws but so the acts over the years that have sort of put us on the map, we've got Dolly Parton, Sly and the Family Stone, The Doors, Steve Miller Band, Johnny Cash, The Beach Boys, The Band, Willie Nelson, Grateful Dead, one of my awesome. absolute all-time favorites, Kenny Loggins and uh, Messina, George Thorgood, Santana, Eric Clapton, Huey Lewis in the News, Brian Adams, The Go-Go's in Excess, Paul Simon. You've got Sting, Rod Stewart, Cher, uh, Whitney Houston, Metallica, Bon Jovi, Pearl Jam, Dave Matthews Band comes year after year, Britney Spears even, and Destiny's Child, uh, Nine Inch Nails, uh, Kenny Chesney, Prince, Prince is the awesome. absolute legend. Dude, we Minnesota went to, legend. Dude, we went to his uh, Paisley Park just a few years ago. It is a phenomenal thing. The, the museum is amazing. His ashes are right in the lobby, and real doves are in there. I mean, no matter what genre of music you really, truly love, Prince is a legend to anyone, in my opinion. He has to be. He has to be on your list of, of artists that you've at least got a few songs that you know and love by this guy uh tom petty and the heartbreakers steely dan stevie wonder peter gabriel you've got bruno mars lady gaga florida georgia line the rolling stones red hot chili peppers not to be confused with the uh, red hot chili pipers who play often they're a bagpipe band that Every single time I see the schedule come out and I see the Red Hot Chili Pipers, oh, I gotta I'm like, see oh, this. dude, oh, they're on no a side way. stage this year? That's awesome. And then all of a sudden you get there and you're like, oh, damn it. <laughs> I got fooled again. Um, Blink-182, like we mentioned before, these guys have all headlined uh, the main stage over this really long and storied history 
of what we get to call Summerfest here in Milwaukee, which is amazing. Um, other bands, like we've said, hundreds and thousands of other bands have been on uh, side stages. These are local and global artists, uh, and they perform every single year at this festival. So it's absolutely amazing that, that we as Wisconsinites get to uh, call this thing home for us. Uh, in, in, and obviously, so 2020, this will be the first time in over 100 years that the uh, Milwaukee Summer Festival of sorts is uh, not happening. It's sad. I mean, this COVID thing has been a, a nightmare for everyone. Honestly, yeah. it's like a lot of things we normally do are just not able to do right now. And uh, I guess I'm going to have to just stick to these uh, streaming concerts for now until eventually things kind of clear up. And even Summerfest is doing a thing, uh, you know, on YouTube and on other streaming platforms called Summerfest from home. So you can uh, log in and stream different concerts that allow you to uh, sort of Summerfest right in your own in your own home and listen to this stuff. They encourage you to film it and post it to their social medias in order to basically say, hey, you know, we know that this is that first summer in forever that we won't have this, but let's still somehow come together and make this something to uh, remember. You know, we don't want this to be the forgotten Summerfest year where we don't get a chance to you know, hear music and enjoy that live uh, lakefront beers and dancing and party, we would rather this be something that we allow to be safe and comforting and still enjoy and participate and celebrate. Right. I mean, you can still have a bride at home and, you know, have a couple beers and you don't have to worry about driving, which is kind of nice. Which is very nice. I yeah. mean, it's a benefit. Um, and like, I, I got to tell everyone, if you haven't heard of Eau Claire's Boniver. Oh my God, you got to check this guy out. Like he has a Summerfest concert that was recorded probably three years ago. He's a lot of great songs, which are like Wisconsin based songs. Like I, I really highly recommend it. Obviously his famous song was Skinny Love. It's like yeah. his most famous song, but check it out. It's really good. I've been listening to that quite a bit to get me through the uh, work hours. And, and now the, the Bon Iver, uh the lead singer and, and uh, main musician, and that's Justin... Uh, I can't remember his last name now, but it, it's escaping me. But he uh, he came to Alpine Valley a couple years ago and was featured with uh, the Dead and Company. So the the new Grateful Dead uh, kind of re revivance band, you know, that, that uh, uh, John Mayer and O'Teal Burbridge, they're all part of this thing. He came in and sat in on a couple of acoustic songs in the middle of their set, and they did Black Muddy River, which is one of my all-time favorite dead songs and that performance was phenomenal and right. so this guy uh justin he is really great i mean he's not just this uh indie rock artist he has a, a really great reach even within some of the the more popular and historic acts and it's definitely something to check out his work because he is really really good yeah and you know, I'm not going to get into religion here, but one of my favorite things that somebody said about him is it's uh, right off a of God's playlist. Like the music's beautiful. I really love the song Holocene, yeah. which is about um, Goose. It was actually recorded at Gooseberry Falls in Minnesota, sure. which is a beautiful place to visit for anybody looking for a place to vacation or whatever. And yeah, I, I love Bon Iver. I mean, he's one of my favorites. Eau Claire's finest. I, I recommend everyone checking that out. All right. 
we now have another version of the Wisconsin local music segment. Speaking of bands that have played at Summerfest, this band has been there uh, at least once, maybe even a couple times. I'm not exactly sure. But these guys are another group that we get a chance to call friends. We have uh, been um, in different bands with some of the members here. I know, Russ, you were uh, with Alex Mylink on a couple times yep. uh, in, in a couple different bands. And uh, just absolutely amazing guys, all of them. Every single one of them have amazing personalities, and they're all musically so talented. I love seeing these guys live because like with you know, like the Grateful Dead, let's say, they have amazing music that they can record, but you really don't get to capture that whole essence and that whole, you know, the whole thing in a studio. When you're at live and you get to see the real thing, it's amazing. And these guys all have uh, such genuine uh, musical talent and great personalities that I love going and seeing them at different places here in Milwaukee. Uh, the band that we're talking about is Telethon. We are talking about a band that originally formed in the Delavan, Wisconsin area, which is really close to where Russ and I hail from, yep. Elkhorn. Uh, these guys, so it's Kevin, Alex, Eric, Nathan, and Jack. Uh, they all, like I said, are like the upper echelon of musical talent in the Wisconsin area right now. I mean, they're, they've been featured on bands that you need to keep an eye on. They've been featured on uh, different uh, news segments within the, uh, the state of Wisconsin, within the city of Milwaukee. They're just really, really great. I mean, and they did a, a rock opera, uh, the Grand Spontanean. If you get a chance, check that album out. You can find all that stuff on Spotify if you uh, subscribe there. You can find it on the Apple uh, um Apple Music, uh, their their uh, band camp is telethonband.bandcamp.com. They have a few videos out on YouTube. Uh, the albums, I think, are even found there. They're absolutely amazing. Yeah, can you tell me a little bit about their influence? Because I kind of get like a little hint of like Thin Lizzy, maybe a little hard rock yeah, in there it, with a little like, kind of pop punky. Absolutely. And, and then uh, Motion City Soundtrack with that awesome synth. It cuts yeah, through yeah. and it's just amazing. It adds on the the butter on the top of that steak and you just sear it in it's amazing it's it's absolutely phenomenal you get probably tastes of bare naked ladies uh different pop punk influences as well uh as as 80s you know rock 80s hair bands you've got jack who just absolutely rips up solos uh on the guitar it just phenomenal stuff i'm 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 honestly just really happy that i know these guys personally that i can say uh, I, I could probably message any one of them right now and see, you know, what they're doing. Um, but their music is just, it gets me through the day. I, I mean, it's just phenomenal. Awesome. So without further ado, we have Telethon, You Don't Inspire Me Like You Used To. Sweating buckets, showing you some breath. Flex. 
everyone that again was telethon you don't inspire me like you used to remember to check them out on all of the different streaming platforms youtube bandcamp apple spotify whatever you got we now have another edition of how many loco you at this is where we read a wisconsin news article uh, about a potentially drunk and high pedestrian uh, and discuss well how many four locos they consumed. Russ, can you give us a uh, a little bit of a, a a mathematical reminder of what this equals? Yeah. So if you have a half can of loco, obviously it's a two loco. Full can, four loco. Two cans, eight loco. It's pretty simple math. Two, four, six, eight. Yeah. You got this. I mean, but it, yeah, we have a pretty exciting one today. I will say. Uh, so basically, a Lake Geneva man is facing up to 15 years in prison after being arrested on suspicion of his 10th, which is the number uh, 10, the decade, the decade goer, the D the decade. So this would be a number 10 for this guy almost makes a dozen. 
So the uh, the potential in suspect uh, here was arrested on June 10th, just recently here, uh, after a police officer reported seeing him weave through traffic just around 8 p.m. 8 p.m. People. He started early, man. He's a noon drinker, dude. He's an early morning riser. That is an incredible feat to reach. Yep. You're weaving in traffic, and it's not even dark out. And how old did you say this man was? I think he's like 59. So, yeah, he's he's like almost at retirement age. Why would you even risk it at this point? But whatever. I mean, it's nuts. All right. According to a criminal complaint issued by the Walworth County District Attorney, uh, this suspect... Uh, had told uh, the police that he had only drunk one beer before his arrest. Now, those are his words. Drunk just one beer before my arrest here. He refused, however, to take any sort of a sobriety test, a field sobriety test, do any sort of a, a breathalyzer or anything. So we're not entirely sure at that moment when he was weaving in and out of traffic of what his, his uh, BAC really was. Right. So, a police officer from the town of Sharon had reported seeing this man weave in and out of traffic on County Road K, then reported that the driver smelled like alcohol, had blurry eyes, and he was slurring his speech. That's, that's like me every day. <laughs> I mean, those are all the symptoms, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, prosecutors say that this individual... Uh, had included, uh, his record included drunk driving convictions not once but twice in 1989, again in 92, 93, 94. That's back the to triple, back to triple. back. And he uh, also had received some convictions in 98, 2002, 2004, and 2010. <laughs> Bring it home on the decade anniversary of his last one uh, on 2020. So the, the court records show um, he's due in court uh, June 18th uh, for his initial appearance uh, on these latest charges. Um, if convicted for a 10th, he could be sentenced to a maximum penalty of 15 years in prison. And he could uh, face a $50,000 fine. That is not cheap. 15 no, years no, when you're no, already no. 60 years old, you're looking at getting out of prison when you are, I don't know, just near dead. Right. And you also are now $50,000 in the hole. Right. So in this case, like, he, so he said he only had one drink, right? So a one drink in Wisconsin is probably about three drinks. So in this case, at least. So in this case, I'm guessing a 12 loco, because like one is three in Wisconsin. When you'd say, Oh, I'm going out with my coworkers for one beer. It's that's three, three drinks. So I'm guessing a twelve loco. So three cans. Three cans, and like, dude, he said like he's not gonna let him do it. So he knows he's fucked up. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I'm gonna let you know right now that I definitely agree. This Tw man is a twelve can. He's at least twelve loco. At a twelve loco, he's three cans deep. It's it's an intense idea that he was only weaving through traffic. Yeah, like they make. I mean, he's an experienced. He's he's definitely a seasoned uh, drinker at the uh, ripe age of fifty nine years old, uh, going on ten OWIs. I'm thinking twelve seems fitting. He's definitely yeah. got the tolerance. Twelve's not going to put him night night, but 
he could be uh, singing, you know, uh, bar songs. I love, I love the term weaving because it makes it sound so like not that bad. Like when you think of weaving, like baskets, right? Somebody's right. weaving baskets. A nice Dude, crochet guy, club. This guy's fucked. It's like a zigzag. I, I would honest. imagine he's going ditch to ditch. Yeah, right. He's, he's done. T- he's tipping the old Michelin tire into a couple different fog lines here. You going not ye- good. You going yellow white, yellow white. You're mm. going over the line. Like you may be in the like maybe fifty percent in the ditch at some point. But this guy's messed up. If he got pulled over, yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, this isn't a good situation to be in. As always, please don't be our next segment. Don't drink and drive. It's absolutely stupid. We don't want to be reading your story on this segment. Unfortunately, we we continue to do this because it is such uh, a routine thing. It seems like it's a habitual, you know, thing for Wisconsin drivers to think that they can get behind the wheel after chugging brews all day, and that's just not the case. Don't do it. Let's be honest, like, just, just just find somebody that'll take care of you, you know, like your girlfriend or wife. They're not going to be happy with you, but it's honestly better than killing somebody or getting that DUI, especially this guy number 10, you know? Like, just, just call that person. They're not going to be happy with you. You might be two, three days in a doghouse, like, maybe sleeping outside, but... Really, two or three days in a doghouse is better than $50,000 fine and the rest of your life in prison. So right. let's just let's be honest here. You got to be smart. And just the, the facing of 15 years in prison when you're 60 years old, just I can't imagine how his family feels. But even more so, just all of us as Wisconsin drivers, even in this area, just this guy how he has a license anymore. I thought at one point you just get your license revoked forever. I mean, that's crazy to me. Yeah. All right. We now have a interview with hop house. Yeah. We got Phil from the hop house actually in Verona, Wisconsin, and they're actually moving. We just talked to him to Fitchburg, Wisconsin. So tune in here. It is. So we are here with uh, Phil from the hop house. In Verona, Wisconsin. Phil, can you tell us a little bit about any events coming up? Any new brews you guys got? Any new f- deals or whatever? Yeah, the, uh, I mean, unfortunately right now, on the event side, it is uh, nothing really because of, uh, you know, all the Dane County health rules. So normally we would have you know, a trivia, which is actually like packs the house, like Tuesday night trivia, which we've had to kind of put on hold for a while now. Um, and then normally we have live music pretty much. I would say once a week, um, but those events have all all been kind of put on a hold temporarily just because of the health rules from the from Dane County. Um, so that's unfortunate. Um, but we do have so at the in the Verona location, we've got our full parking lot that we shut down uh, back in I guess maybe June was it? Yeah, last month, and we have tables and chairs out there, so we've got a huge outdoor patio. Uh, so the city was pretty nice and worked with us and let us do outdoor seating, so we've got capacity of like. I, don't know, I think it's like 16 or 18 tables out there. Um, nice. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a definitely, a, definitely a nice bonus. Um, and it's, you know, days like today where it's not super hot, um, it's a nice day to sit out there and just kind of hang out outside. That'd be um, perfect. Right. Yeah. So that that's been awesome. Um, and then we obviously we're working on a new facility over in Fitchburg. So we're about I don't know I'd say four to six weeks from opening that up. Um, so that is that's a big undertaking currently. So that that new spot's got. Um, you know, a big production facility, uh, canning line, and then restaurant 
event space, rooftop patio, and then an outdoor patio as well. That uh, I don't know. I think total capacity is probably like 450. Awesome. Great. Yeah. So that is that has been our. I mean, we've been working on that for a couple of years, obviously. But yeah, that's uh, it's come, finally coming together now. So that building was a brand new, you know, brand new build. So like a year ago, it's a cornfield. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see it go up, and we're about two weeks out from doing our first brews there. Wow. Really. Yeah, so that uh, there's you know many layers of applications and approvals, like from federal government to to the state, you know, Department of Revenue to the city. Um, so we have to have all those licenses in place. So yeah, we I think the first beer we're doing is Hidden Stash because uh, our distributor is almost out. So we'll put that in our canning line, um, and we've got a couple things planned. I know we're gonna package our uh, Hazy IPA, which has been our prior top seller in the tap room for the last like two years. So that is uh, that is on the schedule, um, and then we've got a couple other you know. So it's our we call it our recreational chemistry series that is just big hot bombs. So we'll do we'll do some of that stuff that we package in four packs of sixteen ounces. So that I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Yeah, actually we're uh, we're sitting here right now drinking the uh, hidden stash. Yeah. Actually. There you go. See, and that's you know it's a good beer, all um, all mosaic, and. Uh, yeah, so that that's a good one that we've done for a while, and I think it's the first one we're gonna run on our canning line. Awesome the uh, the the introductory beer the so right. on those on the the heavy hoppers, do you is that I mean what what ABV is that gonna hit at? Is that gonna be something above ten, or is it gonna sit kind of in that eight nine range? Yeah, I think we'll probably we'll probably keep it like seven and a half eight ish. Okay. Like that. Yeah, so like double. I don't know. I guess borderline of. Whether it's a double IPA, not double IPA, but yeah, we'll do. Sure. You know, all the kids like the hazy beers these days. Hazy's the popular, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how we 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 do a lot of homebrew. It's kind of like how ours would turn out a little hazy because we didn't have a way to clean it up, but it actually was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and the, like you know, it's crazy. Even just in our brewing like technique now, from like a couple years ago, I mean, now like we're literally, I will put um, like in a hazy, we'll do a bunch of hops in the whirlpool, and then. I'll start hopping two days into fermentation. So like we're talking, you know, active fermentation going on and we're just, we're just dry hopping. Like, so we'll do three different dry hop additions, like two during fermentation. And then we'll wait till it's all, um, it's all done. And then dry hop, like traditional dry hop. But it's just kind of crazy once you get, you know, you're, you're adding hops like way earlier than I ever would. Yeah. That definitely sounds like it would be a hop forward beer. Right. Do you guys, uh, do you guys ever use that Conan yeast that, uh, I don't know, I guess that's what I always call it. It's like the New England style. Uh, that's what I always use for our hazies, and it's great because you can also, I mean, obviously if you put hops in there during fermentation, they're going to be in the yeast when you take them out to repitch it. So it does pretty well as long as you're sticking with that same style. Yeah, we've definitely done that. Uh, right now I live on an old farm. I used to live in Janesville, so we had a little more control over our temperature in the basement. It's been a sure. little harder now, so I have to use like different yeast for the temperature range that I get down there. Right. But, uh, yeah, we have used that one in the past. I think actually the bike peddler that we yeah. created was kind of like that. It was yep. pretty tasty. Nice. Yeah, there are. I mean, there's a bunch. I know a couple of guys that are doing all of the Norwegian strains, and they're, I mean, they ferment like 90. You know, so you can leave it in your garage. I mean, not garage maybe, but like if it's, you know, if it's hot, they'll ferment out in like four days. Yeah. We, we've done like a, a delirium tremens type beer in my garage, which is like a hot temperature. Yeah. And that worked out pretty good. It was. It ended up getting a little sour because I think some – you know, natural yeast got in there, but it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So after that, we have the uh, segment of how Wisconsin you are. Would you be willing to answer a few questions? Sure. All right. 
So have you ever chopped down a large tree by yourself? Um, no, I have not. You have not. That's that's okay. Yeah. We uh we we I live on a farm, so I have room to drop. I mean, a lot of people live in the city, so they've never had a chance to do something like that. So yeah, I've never I've never done a large one by myself, but I I have cut down a few trees. I've helped trim some trees, but I'm a chainsaw. I don't know, man. That's not something I've operated. Yeah. They're they're dangerous. Yeah. Right. That's I'm gonna steer clear of that. Yeah. Have you ever had a squeaky Wisconsin cheese curd? Oh, of course, man. Come on. I know. Absolutely. Right. Yesterday, that's, probably. Yeah, that's same here. We just went to uh, Decatur and got some. Yeah. I was gonna say farmers market on, on the square, man. You can get those ones are squeakies on Saturday on Saturday morning. And those ones, I bet, are really really squeaky. Right. Right. Do you make beer brats? And if you do, what beer do you usually use? Um. Uh, it's funny. I mean, I'll use whatever old beers in my fridge. Yep. You know, whatever, whatever expired beer, and we just boil it away. That's the answer. Right. <laughs> it's the skunkiest, the the better. It actually adds more flavor if you have a uh, an old skunky one. Right. Have you ever wore a flannel to work? Obviously, you're a brewer. I'm sure it's happened, but. Oh, that is a. I, I think my closet is in the winter. That's it's really it's all that's in there as far as shirts. Eighty eighty percent flannel. Yeah, it's the, it's the official <laughs> look. It's a brewer. I don't. I, I don't have a beard though, so like I'm not. I'm not full on brewer certified. I don't have a full beard. So you you're basically the Al Borland out there. Yeah, man. Without right. the beard. Right. Right. Do you know what a cow chip is? Yes. Yeah, those are pretty I tasty. Have... Sour cream and onion, and then cow chip. <laughs> I have not thrown them. Yeah, yeah uh, those you. competitions are pretty uh, pretty crazy though. Right. Phil, when you get start when you got started, did you uh, participate in any um, little local brewing competitions? Yeah, we did. Uh, so, because we, so I started brewing at home. Um, and then we moved out to Denver, and then we came back to Wisconsin. Um, so I got back here. I think I would do a couple of different ones. Like I think the, uh, I think Grumpy Troll had one out there, or like it was associated with Grumpy Troll in in uh, Mount Horeb. And a couple, the home brew shop always had some down on Monroe Street. Yeah, I think. Uh... So you mentioned you were out in Denver. Did you uh, make your way to Fort Collins? Oh, dude. So we'd go there every single time we had out-of-town friends. Like, we'd go up there and do the New Belgium tour. And it, honestly, I've probably done it 20 times, and it's oh, it was always different. It was ha- awesome. Have you slid down the slide? Yeah, you got to do that. Oh, uh, yeah, I barely fit. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I didn't I didn't go down. I'm a much larger gentleman than uh, my, my co-host here, Russell. So, uh, But that one and Odell are... I mean, they're a must. If you if you're right. into breweries, if you if you enjoy beer making at all, uh, just sights to see for sure. Um, we haven't been out there in like ten years. Like, there's like four Collins Brewing companies there, and like a ton of other ones that have sprung up. Yeah, it's yeah. Awesome out there. There's probably, I think, somewhere between like twenty and thirty breweries, right within like probably twenty or thirty square miles. They got that uh, little right. small segment down there. They're amazing. Of the town. That's probably yeah. one of those areas. If you're if you're into brewing or if you're a beer snob and you enjoy craft beers, that's one of those areas to check out. Wisconsin's obviously uh, pretty unrivaled as well. We have just a massive amount of craft brewing, but um, now you mentioned grumpy troll too. That's uh that's pretty awesome. Mount Horror. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one too. Old, old classic out there. Yeah. All right. The next question I got for you, have you ever drove a snowmobile to a bar? No, I have not actually. It's more of like an up north, like hillbilly thing. I've I've done it a few times. On that one though, have you ever have you ever ridden a snowmobile? 
I, honestly, it's funny. I don't think I have. I don't, yeah, uh, they're not something that you generally get on. Uh, four wheel, <laughs> no, but four wheeler is one of the. I mean, everybody's pretty much ridden a four wheeler, but at some point, yeah. snowmobiles are a little bit less likely that you would without owning one. Right. I was actually young enough to ride on a when they had three wheelers, which was super unsafe. Which is why I didn't Absolutely. You go over the handlebars on one of those babies. I remember, yeah, you, you, you know, you gun it and you're going off, then you got a two-wheeler going on, so that's not, that's not good. Classic. All right, uh, next question. Do you know what a bubbler is? Of course. Okay. <laughs> we would be, yeah, I'd say we used to get made fun of when we were out in like, California, and we're like, where's your bubbler? Like, what do you mean? You're like, you know where the water comes out? They're like, oh, right, we call it a drinking fountain. Yeah, yeah that's the same <laughs> thing. Out there, out there, a bubbler is a, a bidet. Right, yeah. Where's your drinking fountain? That's my toilet. All right, next question. Have you ever been to a party in a cornfield or at least on a farm? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're from small towns. Are you regular? Yeah, you drink around the milkers. Right. (laughs) And I have one more question before we let you go today. Um, Have you ever had a Wisconsin brandy old-fashioned? Indeed, I have. However, I'm probably get a let down your guests and i always make it with southern comfort i know okay uh, it's okay yeah no and that's classic actually we were just right. in Manaqua uh just this past weekend and somebody uh, in the boat across from us was was uh basically trying to to debate whether or not it's a whiskey uh old-fashioned or you know i mean they 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 had preferred it that way so right. it's uh yes, it's a debate i think I think outside of California, we're like this the number two consumer of, of Corbell brandy. Oh, for sure. That Blackberry, Black Cat brandy. Easily. Is, yeah, we, we drink Easily. a lot of that. Now, do you do you prefer it sour or sweet? Uh, sweet. Yeah. Sweeter. And then, uh, I guess one more. If you've ever been to a supper club, in which one would you recommend going to? Oh, my God. I have been to some supper clubs. Um, God, I'm trying to think of what. Um, the, the strangest one is Toby's over... Uh, it's like, um, I think it's between Madison and it's off College Grove Road over there. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting place where you like place your order before you actually sit down and then like they have a table and your food gets, to, it's, it's the most backwards restaurant. It's hilarious. Do they at least have the, uh, the salad and, uh, uh, cheese bar or whatever it is? I, well, yeah, I'm in a pretty, pretty COVID guy. Yeah, it was like, I think they have that, they have a salad bar, you get, you know, the whole thing, like dinner rolls, this and that, and the whole thing shows up. Yeah. It's, um, it's amazing. And the drinks are, the drinks are priced right. Now, what about real quick about your your tailgating experience? And have you been to Brewers games, Badgers, Packers? Uh, I mean, I mean, Bucks. Have you been to any of those? Yeah. So we. So I went to UW. So obviously, we, we knew how to uh, pre-party for a football game properly. Um, but yeah, the I think the last time we were up at went to a Packer game, but it was like December. But we still, in true Wisconsin fashion, get out. You know, put your snow pants on and stand around the car. Even though it's, you know, negative 10. <laughs> yeah, I remember I went to uh, the playoff game against the 49ers, Colin Kaepernick and, and that in, in Lambeau. And it was yeah. it was like negative 10 at, at the game start. I was in jeans and like a Columbia jacket. It was the worst decision of my life. You didn't go shirtless? I did not go shirt. I might as well have. The saying is uh, "30s no shirties." You're good to yeah, go. Yeah, baby. There you go. Yeah, this is short weather right now. But Phil, uh, we really appreciate your time today, and uh, we hope to make it up there soon and uh, come visit with you and drop off some koozies. Excellent. I appreciate it, guys. Cool, Phil. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. 
we now have another beer review segment. Yeah, today's beer comes from us from Enlightened Brewing Company. It is um, the Cream City Bricks beer. And I know, Sturge, I know you. your house currently has Cream City Bricks on it currently, right? Yeah, so uh, we our house features a brick, or a, a chimney rather, that's made out of Cream City Brick uh, that is exposed all the way up from our our basement up through into our bathroom. And that's where it becomes exposed is right into our bathroom. Uh, and it's, like I said, all cream, cream city brick. So I don't want to go into it too deep. Obviously we'll probably have an, uh, an episode on specifically why cream city. I mean, if many of you don't know our, our base rock or our bedrock is actually limestone, which is where the cream city name comes from. It's the color of the stone. It gives it a cream color. You see a lot of buildings around Wisconsin with that cream color. Yeah. That's amazing. So this beer specifically is a cream ale. Um, it's like a style that is produced before prohibition. It's light bodied and has a very malty up front and a little bit of hops involved. You get you get that taste of the William Epps hop, the William Met hops for balance. It has a five percent ABV and uh, it's just a good beer. It's kind of like one of those ones you can drink all day. It's not very high percent, five percent. You could you could survive that, you know. Especially someone like me, this is like nothing to me. I have a tolerance of a grizzly bear. I don't know about you, but yeah, no, for sure. And it's one of those ones that's. Uh, it reminds me of some of like the like the Coors Banquet beer. Yeah. Um. It, it, so it's not. Uh, it's not light. It's not. It certainly wouldn't be uh, my my choice to drink all day. Yeah. But if you're grabbing just uh, anywhere from like maybe three to six beers, to uh, take over to a buddy's house. Uh, I mean, you're, you're hanging out outside, just kicking back. Uh, it definitely is a, a great beer. Uh, once again, it's, it feels like an all time classic and this is my first time trying it. Yeah. You're getting that upfront malt, like that, uh, that almost farm field taste. Like you're getting that like fieldy malty beverage right up front. You obviously get the hint of the hops, but you're really getting that farm frontage, which I like personally. Yeah. I like the malt. I like the I like a little bit of hops too, but like this one is really malt forward and I recommend it to anyone kind of looking for like a day sipper or something to just drink outside in the hot sun. So Def- that's what it is too. It's, it's right, just right. A, a day sipper. Uh like I said, you could definitely just throw this thing in the can koozie, go out on the lawnmower, get the, you know, the 2-hour mow job done and be on your way. So everyone, again, this is the uh, Cream City Bricks Cream Ale. And they are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Check them out on social media. Grab one of these bad boys from your local liquor store. And, uh, yeah, they're available all year round. So uh, sip that sucker. Enlightened Brewing, another uh, new friend. And we have our brand new segment, This Day in Wisco History. We actually have a really cool story to start this thing off. I'm not sure if you all know Holy Hill, uh, the Holy Hill Church. This this became the Holy Hill Church and was uh, dedicated and opened officially July 19th, 1931. Uh, the, uh, the, the consecration uh, three-hour ceremony uh, was done with uh, or by Samuel A. Stritch, uh, Archbishop Samuel A. Stritch. You might notice the name Stritch because of Cardinal Stritch University. This is the same guy. So the Holy Hill that we all know and we've all visited is is born 
into existence on this day. This is a brand new church. And, you know, one of Milwaukee's uh, legendary individuals who has, you know, that university here is the one who holds and and who, you know, uh, is the head of this this ceremony to open this thing. Yeah, I recommend checking it out. Actually, you can go up in the bell tower sometimes when it's open. And you can see for miles, like you're up there as long as it's not a cloudy day, you can see for miles. It's a beautiful church. I recommend everyone going and checking that place out. Yeah, this is phenomenal. I'm really glad that that, that we opened this new segment and, and we're able to learn such a really cool piece of history that allows us to uh, study and look more into such a beautiful place in Wisconsin. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, we recommend you subscribe via SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, leave us a review on any one of those above-mentioned sites, and we can read one at the end of every show. Follow us on social media, and feel free to reach out, especially if there is a piece of history or weird news you'd love us to share or research, as well as highlight some local artists or music. Our website is projectcapestudio.com. I'd also like to thank my friend and past co-worker, Steph Skibak, for providing us with awesome podcast cover art, as well as the Dangits for intro and outro music, and all of you for listening. As always... Watch, Watch out, out for, for deer, deer on, on the way, way home. home.